0: Well, Brian literally wore that Alabama shirt up here. <laughs> just walked right up here, you know. So, all right. If anybody's interested in reading scriptures during the service, just, just let me know. Put you on the schedule. Um, yeah. Well, well, over on our church's uh, world-famous, life-changing Instagram page, um, we put a question up last week, and it was a pretty simple question. What was your senior class song? Do you guys remember class songs? Now, some of you commented and were like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm sorry that you didn't go to a school that had class songs, uh, but, the, but many of you weighed in. Uh, if you don't know what a class song is, um, basically students got to put in their suggestions and votes for a song that they would play at graduation um, that, you know, defined the year, the people in the school, whatever. And so, uh, as you can imagine, lots of opinions about what should be played. Uh, and I picked a few of the top ones that came through. Would you like to hear them? Yes, sir. yes please. I got you. Um, I Hope You Dance. Anybody remember that one? Yep. This one I had to look up, but Graduation by Vitamin C. Has anyone heard of this? Okay. This was Danielle's. But you had said like... <laughs> Didn't you go to like a Christian school or something? Yeah, Okay. I mean, yeah, that's Christian school right there. Because you know, you had friends with like Limp Biscuit CDs under the Bible in the back seat of the car. Um, another one that had multiple uh, votes here was "It's so hard to say goodbye." That's a, that's going back. That's boys to men. Um, somebody wrote "Kids by Management." Like, what kind of school is this? Um, The top two favorite for me were um, Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, great song. Uh, If you haven't seen The Breakfast Club, I'm sorry, Um, but that's the main tune. And then the one that surprised me was a friend of mine that I grew up with. Uh, His school, Shambly High School, uh, DeKalb County, thank you, North DeKalb County, Uh, Freeze Frame was the song. (laughs) Now some of you are laughing, Um, and this is one of those songs like, do you know this song? Well, I'm going to help you out here. Here we go. Free spray! Do you know it? Yeah, it's terrible. I think it gets inappropriate from there, so we had to, had to sort of cut it. Yeah, so the class song survey was fun. We'll do a survey each week. You can help out with these sermons. Um, Now, the high school I went to, uh, our class song ended up being a boys to men song, but there was a heavy push from me and my friends uh, for REM's famous apocalyptic track from the 1987 document record, It's the End of the World as We Know It. That's the one we voted for. Um, Lots of votes for that one. It was denied. Uh, It's too scary. It's too depressing. The, the toxic positivity committee just wasn't allowing it. Uh, so we were a bit disappointed in that. But, um, and as song titles go, it's a bit of a morose uh, and somewhat depressing type of song. But I will say that all of us, you included, uh, at one point or another, have looked around at the worlds that we're all living in, and you thought, well, maybe this... Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end of all the things that I've known. Um, A bit like watching that Georgia-Alabama game yesterday. (laughs) But you've been there, right? Like, you're just not human if you don't have these moments where you look around at the world and think, I think things are coming apart. And generations and generations have been saying this uh, for thousands of years uh, throughout history. It's very easy for us to see things around us and go, I think it's tearing apart. We've all been there. Um, You've looked at your life, and it's not what you wanted, Uh, your friendships and how they're changing, Uh, your family. I mean, we just came off Thanksgiving, so your family and the dysfunction and the pain uh, that may exist there, your career, and maybe this sense of emptiness that has come with it. Uh, even your faith and the instability that may uh, live in that and the struggle that you have with faith. Um, Sometimes we do it to ourselves. We get roped into a news cycle, and you're stuck in this loop of watching terrible things unfold across the world and here at home, and it's just very easy to imagine that things are just falling apart and that the world is breaking. That's why I love the first line from the first reading this morning where the prophet Isaiah says, Oh, that you would come uh, down, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And my questions for you are, what causes you to utter that same prayer? Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. What are the things in your life that bring those words out Of your heart. And when you look around your world, what are the things that take your hope away? Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And in a strange way, Advent invites us to think about the end of the world. Not the world God is building, I'll get to that in a few minutes but the worlds that we create and the worlds that we put our hope in. Advent comes on the scene and asks us to ask some hard questions about where our hopes reside. And the gospel reading today is so interesting and so strange. Um, But Jesus begins speaking to his disciples saying, but in those days, after that suffering, Jesus is pointing to the coming destruction of Jerusalem and its temple that would take place in the year 70 A.D. This is well documented. And the main concern Jesus carries is when that event takes place, that his disciples would not interpret it as the end of the world, but simply the end of the world that they knew. He doesn't want them to get trapped in this loop of like, well, this is it. It's all over. And if you don't know much about the temple, it it was the central icon and space of worship and religious life for the people of Judah. It mattered a great deal in terms of its history, its theology, and its faith practice. So much so that there were lots of ideas about that. God lived there, that if God had an address, it was in the temple. And it had been destroyed before, so they had been through this. Nearly 600 years before this conversation Jesus is having with them, it had happened. And that event was coupled with the exile of Jerusalem's residents. The whole thing was traumatic and very scary. But Jesus knew something about people, And he knew that when the icons of our lives get torn down, we feel empty, sometimes displaced. And he was comforting his disciples by letting them know that terrible things don't always mean the end of all things. Sometimes they're just terrible things. What he does tell them is this, when the worlds we've created come crashing down, let it be a reminder of the better world that is to come. Amen? That when things fail in our lives, when things go sideways in our families, when things fall apart in our careers, it's not the end of the world, but it does remind us that the world that God is making and building is coming. And scores of people throughout the centuries have made it their spiritual mission to chart the end of the world based on the Bible and world events. And so far, they're batting like zero out of a million. (laughs) You know how you know that? We're all sitting here today laughing about it. The record of success with these predictions of the end of the world is abysmal. It's pretty bad. Look at what Jesus says about this very issue. But about that day or hour, what does he say? Say it with me. No one knows. I don't, know, I don't know how, like, and these are always, like, literal Bible people. They just can't read the words, no one knows, and take that literally. <laughs> they take the figurative things literally, but not the literal things literally. But about that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the sun but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. So if you ever find yourself, this is just a side note, it's not in my notes, it's for free. If you ever find yourself looking at the world and thinking, oh, I can sort of connect the dots with the book of Revelation, it's always the book of Revelation, uh, or some Old Testament thing, just stop. Nobody knows. And the question is, why is that? Why does Jesus say this? Why is it important that we don't know? Well, it could be that Jesus knows that if we did know, we could use that for gain. He knows that we would unconsciously detach from this world and its needs and instead just sort of sit around and wait on heaven. And if we're sitting around and waiting for heaven, we run the risk of losing sight of the needs around us and the people around us. As Johnny Cash has sung, if you're holding heaven, then spread it around. There's hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. Move over and share the high ground where you stood. So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Amen perhaps this is why we don't know. We would lose touch with our mission to be image bearers of God in the lives of people around us. And instead, Jesus says that we should just stay awake, keep alert, don't fall asleep. We watch and we hope for the coming of the Lord, but also we live in the here and now. And we fashion our lives to be somewhat of a rehearsal of heaven, This is the job of the church, by the ways that we engage with others' sufferings and pains and troubles, the way we encourage each other, the way we cheer one another on in life, and by the ways we are the church in this community and for each other. It's all rehearsal. It's practice. And so perhaps we don't know these days or hours because it would remove us from the human element that God so desperately needs us to be in touch with. Fleming Rutledge has said that Advent begins in the dark. Uh, She writes, the clock on the bank says it is day, but the hands of the church clock point to midnight. It is Advent, the deepest place of the church year. The colors of the season correspond to the darkest time of the year, and we know Uh, That light is coming when the night is at its deepest shade. These candles that will progressively grow, well, they'll shrink, but the flames will grow. (laughs) Over the Sundays of this season, as we light them each and every Sunday, the progression of light into the world, and they awaken our memory of hope and our hope of being hopeful beyond the troubles that we take in day in, day out. And one of the first messages we receive in this Advent season is this. The chaotic and fractured world and all of its pain and suffering and violence does not carry the final word. It's not the end of all things. This is the hope that faith refers to, that to quote Beekner, the worst thing is never the last thing. And the Advent vision is that we learn to practice staring into the darkness of the world with our eyes of hope beyond what we see. That all things are not lost and that God, that there is a God who is paying attention and who will show up and has shown up. The Christian tradition is not uh, one that is committed to an ignorance of the world's troubles or to a posture of avoidance of the pain and suffering the world endures on a daily basis. Our faith has a history of engagement with these things and is is well-practiced in seeing the good beyond the bad, the hope beyond despair. We are at the edges of hope in the Advent season. Our world is quick to find fault, and blame and reasons to be angry and dissatisfied. But it is often slow in hope, slow in finding a way out of what hurts. And Advent does both. It sees the world as it is, but also as it will be. This is what makes us, as the Bible says, a strange people. So it's the end of the world as we know it. When I hear that song, I think about these people that show up here and there carrying signs that warn how the end is near. you seen these people. They're always in crowded areas, um, usually around Dragon Con. Um, but I always think of these people. and They just made it their mission to warn the world that the end is near. We drove to Florida for Thanksgiving and there's no shortage of such messaging on the hundreds of billboards along I-75, the kind where Jesus is angry and ready to take names, usually pictured in the middle of chaos, destruction, fire for some reason, and there's always a gun. And the message that the end is near has long been successful at making a lot of people scared and making a smaller group of people a lot of money. But it's really bad theology. It's not great ministry either. When a high school friend of mine died, um, he was a good friend of mine, but he kind of lived on the edges of... uh, you know, he was no saint, you know. Uh, loved him, but I was young enough to judge people's uh, insides by their outsides, and which we all are guilty of doing. And uh, I was worried about him because I grew up in that, you know, it's just in the air. As Flannery O'Connor has said, the South is not Christ-centered, it's Christ-haunted. <laughs> so it's just in the atmosphere that you think, well, he kind of lived a reckless life. I mean, he was at church every week, but still, you know. Um, And I remember talking to my youth pastor about it, and I said, uh, he was asking how I was doing with that, and I said to him, yeah, I just hope he wasn't like smoking right before he died. Or he cursed, or something, you know. And I remember my youth minister saying, "No, no, 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 young Skywalker. <laughs> this is not the nature of God." Pivotal moment for me, you know. Oh, I was under the impression that uh, you had to do it all the way perfect all the way to the end. But learning in those moments that the scary message of the end is near is a false message. And Advent reminds us that with Christ Jesus, the end is not what is near. It's the beginning that's near. As Jesus said in Revelation 21, I am making all things what? new. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. And that there is there. There's a new creation. There's a new creation. There's a new creation. Everything old is passed away. Look, new things have come into being. With Christ, the end is not near. The new beginning is near. Hello, hello. you of 1912, April the 14th day. Great Titanic, shall not blame. People that run and pray. God knows. No, God knows. And the people that run and pray. The guards who had been watching they thought they were tired when they heard the credit sound. Many gunshots were far gone, oh, on my and the people that run and pray. Cops and Smith gave orders. Women and children, first. Man and the